0: We're going to read from Luke chapter 4 this morning, as we continue our Lent series of praying with Jesus. Last week we encountered him in his baptism as he prayed his heaven-opening prayer, and today we're going to encounter him in the wilderness. So Luke chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world, And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. Amen. Excuse me moment. So we're going to look at this prayer of Jesus when he faced these temptations of the devil in the chaos of the wilderness and the challenges of the specific temptations that the devil threw up to him. And my question today is, how do we keep our prayers focused on the kingdom of God during times of the wilderness and during times of temptation? What sort of prayers do we pray at those times? Wilderness, I guess the wilderness could be whenever there's something that disrupts our our focus on who Jesus is. It could be anything that comes our way, couldn't it? a disappointment, a frustration, bad news, a health issue, financial issue, a, a relational issue. It could be all sorts of things that push us into the wilderness, something that happens to us that we suddenly take our eyes off Jesus, and somehow we, we want to manage on our own in that wilderness experience when it seems like all is lost, where it's dark, when we don't know where to turn. How do you keep on praying in the wilderness? And how do you keep on praying when temptation seizes you? Now, of course, we know that we're all tempted. None of us sit here today without knowing what temptation looks like. The temptation to take our eyes from Jesus. The temptation to find another way other than the way that he's inviting us to follow. We know what temptation looked like. So how do we keep praying during those times of temptation? Because both in the wilderness and in times of temptation... It's desperate that we pray, really. It's desperate that we find a way to keep connected during those times, even if the circumstances don't change. But we keep our eyes fixed on the one who has given us life. If we flip back to the Lord's Prayer, of course, last week we looked at uh, our Father who uh, is in heaven, hallowed be your name. But the next lines, I think, are the lines that we need to keep in mind during wilderness and during temptation experiences. For what do the next lines say? They say, your kingdom come and your will be done. And if during those times of wilderness when everything seems to be against us, when we're not sure which way to turn, when things have happened that we can't control, if we can keep our eyes on his kingdom and on his will, then maybe we stand a chance of coming through the wilderness just as Jesus did. And if during those times of temptation we can keep our eyes on God your kingdom come and your will be done during this time then maybe we can begin to see a change in our in our behavior, a change in our patterns, an ability to overcome that temptation by keeping our focus on the kingdom and on God's will in our lives. And perhaps they very simply are the keys to how we pray during times of temptation and wilderness experiences. Right at the beginning in chapter 4, Luke tells us that Jesus, who was full of the Holy Spirit, remember his baptism, the Holy Spirit descended on him in the form of a dove, full of the Holy Spirit, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. It's an intriguing uh, um, word there, isn't it? To be led by, to move into that place of wilderness for a bigger purpose that was going to unfold in the life of Jesus. And where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Now Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 tells us that Jesus our high priest has been tempted in every way just as we are. There's no surprises there, is there, in his humanity that he he underwent the same challenges that we would do. But of course the writer of Hebrews adds this little ending, yet he did not sin. And how is that possible? How is it possible in the midst of wilderness or temptation to move to that place of, of where the kingdom is the focus, where God's will is the only choice that we have? Now, of course, the devil wants to take Jesus' eyes away from the kingdom. He wants to, to take him to think about other things rather than the mission that he's being called to, the, the purpose that he's come for. He wants the mission to be forgotten. And it's the same for us. The devil wants to divert our attention away from the things that God has called us to. To divert our attention away from the kingdom to ensure that we don't overcome temptation. And it's the same for Jesus. The devil wants Jesus to question his identity. If you are the son of God. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, he wants us to doubt. He wants us to question whether what we've experienced and the reality of our, our relationship with Jesus, he wants us to doubt whether that's even real or true. And so, your kingdom come and your will be done become key in our praying during those times. These temptations, all three of them, are about the identity of the Messiah. Jesus, who do you think you are? And through them, they reinforced for Jesus his mission. Was he going to be the all-conquering king or the suffering servant? If you go back into the Jewish understanding of Messiah, the rabbis expected the Messiah to stand on the roof of a holy place. They expected the Messiah to repeat the miracle of the gift of manna from heaven. And if you remember when Jesus fed the 5,000, the people wanted to make him their king in that moment. But Jesus, John reminds us in chapter 6 verse 15, he withdrew to a mountain by himself. That way was not the way of Jesus. That wasn't how the kingdom was going to come. That wasn't how God's will was going to be done. And Jesus resisted that moment to compromise his identity of who he was. But through these temptations and through the wilderness, Jesus reminds us what the kingdom looks like and reminds us what doing God's will looks like as well. When there seems an easier way, when there seems a shortcut, when there seems a, a, a way that, that would, would fulfill perhaps the purposes that God has called us to, when it seems like there is, It's often that there isn't. And bypassing the cross would be a whole lot easier. But Jesus knows and we know that cannot be the way of those who are called to follow him. So what sort of prayer is needed? What can we learn that will keep us on the same narrow way? That will enable us to keep the kingdom in focus, to keep God's will right at the heart of our journey as well. In Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 2, which is around about the passages that Jesus began to quote to the devil, chapter 6 and and chapter 8 of Deuteronomy. Chapter 8 verse 2 says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years, what for? To humble and test you, in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. And I have to say, I think that wilderness experiences for us, temptations put before us, serve a similar purpose for us as well. What is in our hearts? Will we do what God has called us to do? These times of temptation from the devil or testing from God or or just ending up in this place of wilderness that we're not sure which direction we should go, are times when we can indeed just reaffirm our commitment to follow the one who's called us. So what, what does Jesus do that would help us to pray with him during those times? Firstly, I think Jesus says, listen to every word of God. Listen to every word of God. The devil tries to make Jesus satisfy his, and by implication of the words, the world's hunger pangs. Jesus is clear, my mission is not just about bread. God's kingdom is much more satisfying than a a loaf of hovis for anyone. This is a reminder, of course, of the people of Israel escaping Egypt in their own wilderness journey. But they had 40 years in the wilderness. And on the way to the promised land, what did God do? He fed them with manna from heaven. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3, he humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And Jesus quotes this back to the devil. He quotes it, I guess, to himself as well to say, no, this is the way of God. To live on every word of God. When you're in the wilderness or stuck in that cycle of temptation, listen to every word of God again. Be reminded of the promises that he's given to you. Pray them again and again, even if there seems to be no way out. Listen to the word of God. Man does not live on bread alone, on the things we see, but the things we hear. On every word that comes out of the mouth of God. There's quite a few in here, isn't there? Quite a few. So listen to every word. Don't be driven away from the truth of what you know, but be driven closer to it in the wilderness and in the temptation. Remember, remember what God has done for you. And that's what Jesus did. That's how he countered that moment of temptation to listen to the word, and to live by it. Because every word that comes from the mouth of God is life-giving, kingdom-focusing, God's will being done sort of words. What did Jesus do next? Well, I think he looked at every work of God. Listen to every word of God, look at every work of God. What would you give for a shortcut What would you give to a shortcut through what it is that maybe you're going through right now? What would you give for an end now to to, to the challenges that maybe you're facing? That overcoming of temptation that is such a struggle for you right now. Be careful where that shortcut takes you, won't you? On on many a walk, I've taken a shortcut through a field of cows. It is not the best place to go, is it, James? <laughs> and yet it looked, oh, it was so much easier to go that way rather than that way. Be careful. There may be some cows in the field of your shortcut. Jesus knew that the cross was the only way for him. The cross was the way to authority and splendor, and so Jesus kept his eyes on the work of God and gave his worship to the one who deserved it. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses verse 10 to 12. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves, you did not plant, then when you eat and satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Yes, it took 40 years, but be careful you don't forget what he brought you out. There may seem an easier shortcut, but there is not one for you there. When you're tempted, look again at the work of God in your life. Look and see what he has done. And then finally, learn from every wonder of God. As Jesus stands over Jerusalem, the devil encourages him to jump. Later, Jesus would look over Jerusalem and he wouldn't be jumping. He'd be weeping because he knew what the way forward was. And God's plans begin in humility. That's the wonder of God. That is what compels us to pray. The devil thinks the spectacular is going to solve the problem. It might do for him, but it doesn't for the kingdom. Jesus knew it was the cross. He knew it was the hard way. He knew it was the way of suffering and pain. And even as he hung there on the cross, what did some people in the crowd say to him? Come on down. Come on down. Now, you don't have to go through this. But Jesus stayed there. Deuteronomy 6.16, as Jesus quoted these words, Do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did at Massa. Be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God and the stipulations and decrees. Keep them. Massa was the place where God provided water for the people. The people had been grumbling and complaining just for a change. And God said to Moses, strike this rock and water will come out. He provided manna and quail for them already, but still they wanted more and the water flowed. God provided the miracle, a wonder of his. When you're in the wilderness, when you're tempted, learn from the wonders of God, of what he is doing around you. What happened to Jesus at the end of all this? Luke four fourteen, Jesus came out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit because he kept the kingdom in view. Because God's will was now embedded in his life. And so as you pray in the wilderness through the temptations. Will you pray your kingdom come God. Your will be done. I listen to your word. I look at what I see around me your works. And I learn from every wonder that you're a faithful God. Who will bring me through. As I keep my mind my eyes fixed on you. There's a way out of the wilderness for all. There's a way through the temptations if we will pray with Jesus and continue to keep your kingdom come and God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in my life, in your life, as we continue to seek his face. May you know the power of his kingdom coming in your life each day.